Our text today is from Acts chapter 16. It picks up where we left off last week, starting at verse 16. Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 16. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day, until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hope of wealth, hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Today's text, like last week's, comes from the Revised Common Lectionary, which means that congregations of many denominations are reading the same text today. I have found that the narrative in Acts 16, describing Paul's missionary journey and the establishment of the church in Philippi, is a perfect context for us as we are celebrating the church's 75th anniversary. This week, 
June 6th, Thursday, is another very important 75th anniversary. D-Day will be celebrated, honored, and remembered with special events around the world, from Normandy, France, to Bedford, Virginia. It is striking that our church began in the year that World War II was raging. The triumph of D-Day is that it was the turning point that brought an end to the war in the European theater. There were yet many battles to be fought, but the tide turned that day. The planting of a church in Vienna, Virginia, is similar to the establishment of a beachhead, a forward command post for the proclamation of the gospel. I was listening this week to a recording that was made 25 years ago in preparation for the church's 50th anniversary. Willard Clark, who has passed away now several years ago, but on that tape, Willard Clark, a World War II veteran who was severely injured at the crossing of the Rhine, stated that Vienna Assembly of God became like a mother church, the first in this area, preparing the ground for other churches to begin. Now, I'm not confident as to the timeline of all the Assemblies of God churches in our area, but I take heart from what Brother Clark said, that the sacrifice and the courage of those pioneer church planters had great effect and paved the way for other Assemblies of God churches to be birthed. Let's look at today's text and glean a few points about beginnings and take note what these things are speaking to us right now. So the first thing I see is prayer. Prayer as a rhythm. The first scripture, verse 16, said, One day as we were going to the place of prayer. And then it says, This happened day after day. One day as we were going to the place of prayer, this young slave girl was yelling out, listen to these men. They are telling you how to be saved. They are servants of the most high God. Actually, the words she was saying weren't so, there was nothing wrong with the words she was saying, but the spirit was wrong. But then it says this happened day after day after day. Not just that she was shouting day after day after day, They were going to the place of prayer day after day after day. We need regular rhythms of prayer in our lives. It needs to be a part of our normal routine that we are taking ourselves to the place of prayer. Amen. Amen. We must have a regular practice of prayer. It doesn't get you saved. It might get you in trouble. But we need a regular practice of prayer. And then there was also prayer as exasperation. So we have the regular rhythms of prayer. 
and it's in it's building our intimacy with God because prayer isn't just what we're saying to him it's what we're hearing him say back to us we are growing in our relationship with him that's what we're about here folks leading our community with love in a growing relationship with God and that regular rhythm of prayer is part of how that happens we meet at 6.30 every morning, we, I lead a prayer time. Um, you are welcome to log into that. I've been seeking guidance for the summer schedule. I said, well, I, I, I'm going to keep it going at least for this one more week before we can get through the 75th anniversary, and then we'll see what we choose to do for the summer schedule. But we need these regular rhythms of prayer. But then there come situations. There come realities that serve up this sense of exasperation or a deep, deep desire. Sometimes what's happening in prayer is you don't know what to pray for. And as you are able to keep that rhythm going, God is at work within you, transforming and moving things out of the way until you can get to the bedrock of what it is you really ache for God to do. What is my deepest passion? What is my deepest desire? And when you hit that, it is going to come out in a prayer of exasperation. And God is going to answer that. Another one of the recordings that I listened to this week had our friend Peggy Sanders. So this is 25 years ago. Peggy Sanders is on the tape sharing about her experience here at Vienna Assembly of God. She particularly focused on prayer and that she had appreciated the opportunities for extended prayer time at the altar. I wasn't here 75 years ago. But I am sure that the pioneers of this church spent time in prayer, both as a regular rhythm and in those deep cries of exasperation and desire, beseeching God for his help and his favor to bring this church into being. I am convinced that today we must continue to cultivate the rhythms of prayer in our congregational life and learn once again to tap into the power of healing and deliverance that comes when we are walking in regular communion with God through these rhythms and seasons of prayer. Well, what happened next? Like I said, it might get you in trouble. So next was persecution. Somebody suffered loss. When people get set free, somebody loses something. And they aren't always happy about it. Now, we can just think of that in spiritual terms, but actually, it usually is also, if somebody, when, when Stephanie Slough quit smoking, how many years ago? Okay, so 18 years ago, how much money stopped going to the people that made the cigarettes that she was smoking? Yeah, okay. Okay? When somebody gets set free, somebody loses something, and they aren't always happy about it. So in this case, these slave owners lost their means of making a fortune 
off of this girl that had some supernatural ability through a demon to tell the future, which led to lies. They started telling lies on Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas weren't doing what they said, but all it took was them gathering up some people in the town market center and saying that it was happening. It didn't take long for a mob to come around, which then resulted in violence and injustice. Our text says that Paul and Silas had their clothes stripped off of them by the magistrates, the civic authorities, the ones that we should be able to trust and feel safe around. And were beaten with rods. As I was meditating on this and and struggling with the visual, I realized that we have current day visuals to consider. Rods wielded by authorities, striking unarmed persons. It happened during the civil rights era. It happens in current day scenarios around the world. I Googled it and I was going to show some pictures and I decided, well, I don't want to incite anybody's tender feelings. But there were pictures from everywhere. Of course, the United States, but Ghana, um, France, Spain, Catalan. How do you say it right? Catalonia, Astonin, she knows. Um, everywhere, unarmed people getting beaten with rods. So if you start wanting to just have a, what was, it, what, what was Paul's life like? Well, take one of those current day pictures and think about it. You know, these are often in response to protest movements. Sometimes it's in situations of racial profiling and just plain injustice. And I realize that most of these scenarios are not people preaching the gospel, but they could be in places around the world and in our own country. Churches are being broken into or just walked into and the pastors and the people are being beaten or killed. Jesus himself said that we would face persecution. Now listen, the pioneers of this church faced derision and ridicule, harassment and disdain. I thankfully, I am not aware of any outright violence, but they definitely faced opposition. It was not popular to establish a Pentecostal church here in 1944. It probably isn't very popular in 2019. Are we tough-skinned enough today to deal with that? One story on that recording said that the opponents filled the chimney full of empty beer cans, clogging it up so that they couldn't even use their furnace until they could get it cleaned out. So, so downstairs, the fellowship area, that was the original sanctuary. So it's hard to envision, but the roof was just a flat roof and it wasn't that high off of the ground. And so people somehow were able to access this chimney stovepipe thing. 
and fill it up with empty beer cans. Another thing they did was um, during worship services, come and get on the roof and jump and run to try to disturb the services. <laughs> and then I think they, there's other stories of them throwing rotten vegetables and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. How would we deal with that today? How would you handle it? Never mind, never mind fearing for your life. Okay, let, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll ramp it down a little bit. Okay, you don't have to fear for your life, but you do have to take a rotten tomato in the face. How would you deal with that? You know, that's Jesus said we would face persecution as we are honoring the 75th anniversary. We need to at least admit, hey, some people went through some tough times just to get this church built here. What's holding us back now? Oh, my friend, my I might feel, I'm, they might say no if I invite them. Come on, people. We need to tough up a little bit and be ready to, to honor what was done here by helping keep it go forward. All right. I am thankful that they pressed through. So here, let's go back to Paul and Silas. Beaten with rods. After they were beaten up, they were not taken to some soft, clean hospital to recover, but instead were put in chains in the inner prison. Their arms and legs were most likely stretched to an uncomfortable position, their wounds oozing and dirty. This following Jesus thing is not for the faint of heart. I hope really, really, really hard that not one of us ever have to face something like this in order to tell people the good news of Jesus. But I don't think I'd be a good pastor if I didn't share that it could happen. And I hope that our faith in God is not so flimsy that we would say, well, I didn't sign up for that, God, I'm out of here. You know, the rhythms of prayer led to deliverance from an evil spirit, which led to suffering, violence and injustice. Not everyone is going to be pleased when freedom takes hold. The oppressor loses something when freedom wins. And that's still true today. There is oppression and injustice in our society today. And when it gets set right, somebody ain't going to be happy. They're going to lose something that they have held on to as their supposed precious right. And we need to be ready to say when people get set free, the oppressor loses and we might face some persecution for that. Amen. Amen. Be ready. Just like the tide turned on D-Day, it didn't mean there weren't still battles to be fought and to win. If they had stopped right there, it, we'd be telling a different story today. Don't stop now and don't give up when you face injustice and suffering. So for Paul and Silas, beatings and prison led to praise. Oh, of course, that's the most reasonable thing I can think of, huh? When is a good time to praise God? When is God deserving of our praise? 
Where is a good place to praise the Lord with singing? Why would we praise God? (laughs) Friends, you're answering it right now. Our answer to when needs to be all the time. Our answer to where needs to be every place. And our answer to why, I hope, I hope you don't need help with the answer to why. I hope you know that God is worthy of our praise no matter what is going on in our life. No matter what battle you are facing. No matter what evil seems to be getting the upper hand. No matter how much you may be suffering. Amen? God is worthy to be praised no matter how scary your situation may be. Why should we praise God? Because he is God. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the rock of our salvation, the bright and morning star, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His love endures forever. His mercies are new every morning. Can somebody begin to praise the Lord? His promises to us are yes and amen. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is with you unto until the end of the age. He has delivered me from all my fears. He has given me the desires of my heart. He has redeemed me from the curse of the law. He has made me a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. He will complete the good work that he began in you. Can somebody say amen? It's a promise for you. He's doing a good work and he will complete it. Amen and amen. Amen. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the Lion of Judah. He is the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world, and He is worthy to be praised. We are to sing a song of praise to the Lord, to lift up our voice, to worship His majestic name. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. So I had some people on the parking lot last week ask me what kind of church we were. And so generally the answer is Pentecostal. And they said something like, oh, I saw some of those one time. And I said, well, our group's a little mild. Come on, folks. Can somebody say, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. (laughs) When the long haul gets long, praise the Lord. When the early excitement of this new adventure in God wears off, praise the Lord. When instead of the people rejoicing and stroking your ego with their acceptance, instead you get persecuted, reviled, and rejected for Christ's sake and the gospel, praise the Lord. Even if you're chained up, with every inch of your body racked with pain. Oh, friends. You know, we, we, we live in an area where we're very free. <laughs> and the, and it's, it's really hard for us to even think in terms of that level of persecution. But what about just plain old sickness? What about just as plain old stiff back? Or a sore knee? Or a skin condition? Can we praise God when we are racked with pain 
We need to praise the Lord. Amen. If we can set our hearts to be ready, (laughs) to be in this rhythm of prayer, to be ready for persecution and praise God through every situation, then we better be ready for the power because that's what happened next. And it's going to show up. Now, I've noticed something. Earthquakes don't usually save people. Have you noticed that? Earthquakes earthquakes usually kill people. But in this case, this was no ordinary earthquake. The text says, suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. This was power leading to freedom, and not just freedom from physical chains, but freedom from sin. The freedom of salvation. The jailer and his household believed and were baptized. I mean, the first thing he says is, what do I do to be saved? Because he knows this is no ordinary earthquake, right? Acts 16.31 is a verse that I know many people in this church through the years have held on to. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. This church grew in the 1940s, the 1950s, the 1960s by families coming together, households being saved, coming together to worship God and proclaim the gospel. Brother Clark, and on that tape, he said they used to hold extra services in McLean. And then when they were done there, they came to this house. That was located right where 123 goes over Route 7. What well, didn't used to be a bridge there. <laughs> there was a house. And church... I want you to know that God isn't finished with us yet. And he still is calling this. He's calling your pastor. And I think that means he's calling you to continue to seek God for a work of God of some manner. I don't even know what it is to be established in Tyson's corner. But this church met in a house as an outreach, because that used to be a long way to go in this house that was right there at route seven and one twenty three. In the heart of Tyson's Corner, the people gathered there prayed one night for a woman with multiple sclerosis, and she was healed. She got up out of her wheelchair and began pushing the chair around. The power of God will follow when we praise him, when we obey him, when we go where he tells us to go. Amen? Amen. What do we learn from this Acts narrative And from this church's own history, pray, have a regular rhythm of prayer, and then be empowered to pray the deep prayers of exasperation and desire. Persecution, all Christians in every age and in every place have faced and will face some level of persecution. I thank God for the freedom we have. And I pray that we will not become lulled into false expectations of an easy life just because you haven't seen it happen. Your pastor has not been dragged out on that street and beaten with rods. And I hope I never am. 
But I also want us to stand and support those who do face persecution. And I want us to be tough-skinned enough to deal with whatever opposition does come our way. Praise. We need to praise God all the time in every place because he is always worthy of our praise and power. Expect the power of God to do the impossible, to set the captives free, and for salvation to come to your house and your house and your house and your house and every house, for the Lord to draw people in that don't yet know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that have not been redeemed from the curse of the law. They need to be set free. And we are here, planted on this corner right now in Vienna, Virginia, as a lighthouse for God and we want to do what God is calling us to do and see others come into freedom and to be saved if you're here today and you're ready to receive this free gift of salvation we're going we're gonna to give each other a gift we're going to pray this prayer together the, the starting point is knowing God choosing to follow his son Jesus And if you're ready to make that choice today, we are rejoicing. (laughs) So let's pray this simple prayer together, all of us. This is according to the scripture. Dear Jesus, I choose to give my life to you and become your follower. I believe that you are God's son and that God raised you from the dead. I say, Jesus is Lord. Thank you for dying for my sins and being my Savior. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, I would love for you to let me know that when we dismiss. Um, Please share this exciting news with me. We um, had a water baptism service in March. I'm looking for whenever it's time to have the next one. And so as people receive the Lord in their heart and and then follow him in water baptism, this is a way that we proclaim. (laughs) We proclaim the Lord's salvation. And so I, um, I welcome you to let me know if that is something that you're ready to do. Friends, God is here. He is with us. We are empowered by him. It didn't just have to be 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts, and it didn't just have to be 75 years ago. Let's be ready for what God wants to do right now in us. Amen. Amen.